Welcome to the new Cyber Frontier, bringing you the latest news, trends, and hottest topics that focus on advances in cybersecurity and cyber industry economics. Our expert yet down-to-earth hosts make cybersecurity straightforward. They ask the tough questions and make this challenging topic something that everyone can understand. Our candid approach lets guests open up on topics we would all like to see addressed. You can find us on the web at newcyberfrontier.com. That's www.newcyberfrontier.com. Now join today's host as he introduces the topic for today's New Cyber Frontier. Welcome to today's episode of New Cyber Frontier. Today, a special uh, treat. I actually get to have somebody in the studio with the whole COVID thing. We've uh, almost nixed that entirely. Very rarely do I see another smiling face <laughs> at the other side. But uh, no stranger to New Cyber Frontier and to the, the community around this area in Colorado. Uh, Senator Kent Lambert is joining us today. Thanks for coming on. Well, thanks, Chris. It's uh, been quite a ride here working with you on several different projects and and uh, with New Cyber Frontier. And I think uh, we're really getting some momentum in, in a lot of different areas. And I'm, I'm glad to see that happening. Yeah, and we're here today to talk to about talk about one of them, which we're kind of we'll make a little of a little of announcement on this show. Um, and uh, with uh, kind of continuing on from the work you've done and a lot of the legislation passed when you were an active senator here mm -hmm. in Colorado. Uh, so on blockchain, and I just got done talking to IEEE, look, working on blockchain initiatives. There's so many groups seeing that this is beneficial. And here you are four years into working on this and really been a champion for the state. And uh, it's just an amazing ride working along with you as well. But give us a, you know, a little bit about your background and how we got to where we're at through the, all the, the legislation in the state. And sure, and while we're thinking about it, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that IEEE is getting on board. They're a great international uh, organization, and the fact that they're you know, realizing that blockchain really has a, uh, uh, a place in the future and we ought to be talking about these things actually flows into the topic today, which is uh, the... Uh, International Alliance of Trust Chains. So um, my background though, I'm a former Air Force officer, went to the Air Force Academy, flew B-52s for a number of years, and then was on the staff in the Pentagon and uh, the uh, Air Force Space Command for a number of years. Uh, did some international uh, intelligence work and uh, as well as intelligence in the in the Pentagon and senior leadership and defense intelligence agency. And uh, so I have that whole military background, total of about 34 years in that sector. And then uh, got out of that and got into the political racket and was uh, elected state representative in Colorado Springs for four years and then went into the state Senate. And I guess the highlight of my time really in the, Cal in the uh, Colorado legislature was uh, on the Joint Budget Committee, which really gave us a very, very broad perspective of how the state works, how every department works, and how we pay for it all. Yeah, and uh, as part of that, you pioneered several fronts in technology and moving forward with the, the technology engagement for citizens and citizens' mm -hmm. records, citizens' privacy, accountability in government, even uh, the National Cybersecurity Center, which was founded here in yes. Colorado Springs, that now houses the Space uh, Information Analysis Center. 
Um, so, so many things that were started under your tenure, uh, I'm always impressed when, every time we talk about the full scope of it. But uh, this latest issue, what, we, what we're talk, talking about today, International Alliance of Church Chains, you made that kind of, uh, that name announcement. Tell us what that is, and uh, about a minute, and then we're going to break and hear from our sponsors. Okay. Uh the International Alliance for Trust Chains is a new organization. We just uh, chartered it and we just uh, got a corporate status on it. It's a nonprofit organization, uh, mostly for education and policy. And uh, we uh, are really starting to feel our way into that because there's so many different areas where we think a nonprofit organization is able to kind of stand back in a neutral corner and talk about things that are not necessarily commercial but uh, can start talking to things on an international basis and, and talk about the academics of public policy. So that's what uh, IATC will be looking at. All right, we're going to take a break here from our sponsors. We'll be right back in a minute. Cyber Resilience Institute helps build strong cyber communities designed to prevent members from attack. Like building a neighborhood watch, it takes coordination and a sharing community to protect our identities and valuables in the virtual world. Typically, we hear that organizations know they need to do something to protect their cyber assets, but don't know where to begin. Let Cyber Resilience Institute help your community create an action plan. Cyber Resilience Institute will build your community or business marketplace so that it is designed to support a collective cyber defense. Contact them for more information at cyberresilienceinstitute.org. Welcome back to New Cyber Frontier. Talked today with Senator Kent Lambert. Uh, talked about a new nonprofit started up here local in Colorado for international policy in relation to trust chains, which the the name doesn't have blockchain in it because blockchain is more neutral. Tell us about that decision process, because I know well, that's kind of interesting. You know, we call it trust chains because. When you, a lot of people think about blockchain, they immediately think of cryptocurrencies. And uh, you don't have to be a cryptocurrency to you know, store information on a blockchain or use that as a management tool. Uh, and what we're trying to do, and this fits into the sort of the vision we've had with um, the um, blockchain development community, which we've talked about several times on the program here, uh, as well as, and that's now incorporated just in the last month or so, called uh, Philos BDL, which will be uh, sort of a commercial for-profit arm of the um, uh, blockchain development community because they sometimes have to handle money in order to develop a blockchain. Uh, the IATC is a sort of a third leg in that stool to do nonprofit types of policy oversight and educational programs. Uh, we'll be organized actually probably into, looks like, six working groups right now. One talking about organizational policy, how do we set this up, how do we turn the lights on in the morning and, you know, start the coffee and whatever the organizational structure is going to be. But then we're also looking at some, I guess, more lofty issues. Uh, we want to have an educational outreach to this. And as a nonprofit organization, we're actually... Um, now licensed in the state of Colorado as an educational organization. And uh, we've already made some uh, contacts with some international groups. You know, when we, when we have sort of a neutral 
blockchain that uh, ideally it'll be sort of a service or a utility that different kinds of organizations can plug into to use as a blockchain. Uh, the commercial side is probably kind of agnostic as to who uses that. It's not our business uh, with a commercial blockchain to figure out exactly, you know, who wants it. It's kind of like using the internet. Do you want to censor everything on the internet or limit it to, you know, certain individuals? That's just really not the design that goes into the internet. Um, but uh, in order to educate people as to what a trust chain can do for them for storing their data or to uh, to work into new areas of public policy really gets exciting. And we've talked to uh, some people in Northern Africa, in the Middle East, uh, that could really have some very useful uh, applications and what we would call use cases of how to use a blockchain for things like third world development. Uh, for instance, uh, there's a huge uh, concern about uh, 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 fair trade mm -hmm. in in like in Western African countries. Can you deliver crops? Can you deliver coffee or cocoa without exploiting workers or exploiting children? And if you have a trust chain that documents where each one of these products comes from, and that maybe they've had international inspectors mm -hmm. uh, checking their programs. Uh, it starts building up the trust that you really can uh, uh, trust the products that are coming out of some historically, uh, uh, well, historical areas that have uh, had exploitation of labor and yeah. children and uh, abuse in some cases. So this can really be a public policy tool. In Latin America, people are ex really excited about perhaps registering their property ownership because that's been a, a huge problem with some of the governments mm -hmm. in Latin America. And this is where some of the very initial excitement has come out of blockchain is uh, uh, in Latin America because it's, it could be a way of neutrally uh, handling and fairly handling uh, property ownership. Yeah, I mean, so many instances, international, national, but really we started here in Colorado from things that you put through legislation uh, with, with some other sponsors and everything. So tell us about Colorado. You know, we're, you know, we kind of, that's where IAT is founded. We have our initial members here. What is its purpose with Colorado, with the OIT has some requirements, the Office of Information Technology, uh, certain programs have been identified, what Colorado's focus is? Yeah, on the, like I say, on the technical side, uh, I'm sure a lot of people could put different kinds of blockchains out there. On the policy side, I think it's how you use those. Mm -hmm. And we know that Colorado, the state of Colorado has identified, we've heard about 71 different use cases in different departments, whether it's integrity in voting, whether it's the integrity of your money uh, as it goes through the Department of Revenue, uh, the integrity of healthcare records, uh, you know, integrity is a very, very key part of of government uh, and privacy. The same, I guess, is the is the flip side of integrity too. That we have to we're basically stewards of of public privacy and the integrity of of our money, of our uh, resources, and so forth. 
when you have a trust chain and you document you know every little transaction that goes on and it's immutable and it's non-disputable mm-hmm. you know if somebody you know let's say a corrupt official says well i'm gonna you know um, i don't know make something up okay i'm gonna fly to hawaii on, on vacation this year and use government money to do it well the trust chain might catch that if it's not approved and if it is approved, you actually know who has approved it. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot more accountability and transparency in a secure trust chain like that. So there's just there's hundreds, I think, of different applications in government for that type of integrity to get into the system. Yeah. And I think what your your involvement with the state and everything gave us a lot and having worked with the group is, you know, very it's actually a lot of it's my dissertation work mm-hmm. in blockchain is how does we set up a governance. But it gave us a lot of insight to know how what pieces we needed. We had a state to look at. We had a, a Department of Regulatory Affairs that governs licensing, that governs credentials, Department of Education, which governs uh, uh, you know, teacher records and, uh, and uh, transactions and things mm-hmm. uh, for um, teacher certifications and whatnot. And Department of... Uh, Motor vehicles is, is a big mm-hmm. push to get sovereign identities, digital sovereign identities, in the into people's hands, you know, into mm-hmm. into operation. But having this framework and saying, okay, in order to develop something that works as a governing governed blockchain, we need to have a model. And having the state as a model was very effective at identifying the pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, what like thirty some pieces that we know are governed that have to be put together by the state have already been identified and rolled into the International Alliance of Trust Chains saying, okay, here's the things you have to make decisions on, and it's been open policy. So tell us about you know that connection and, and, and things that we're currently looking at for sure. those governance pieces. Again, I'd make a, a little contrast there because if you're a for-profit company, you have your company secrets, you have your technological secrets, you have your intellectual property, and that's really maybe not anybody's business except for that commercial company that's building a tool. Uh, when you get into a uh, what we call a neutral governance organization, you want to have confidence that you know the maybe the commercial side of that is not uh, you know has some oversight for uh, for the first place over uh, you know conflicts of interest and things like that. But we also have to identify those uh, use cases, those instances of either government action or commercial action, how they're doing that, how do you keep that ethical? And we've called this, initially called it a neutral governance organization, not having the, the proper noun yet. Uh, and then as we were forming this, we decided that the International Alliance of Trust Chains was pretty descriptive on what we're trying to do. Because of the technology that we expect to have available, we think this is scalable. It'll be a scalable blockchain type concept that could go worldwide, very much like the internet. And we're using the internet as a model for how to build that out. Uh, But with that type of outreach, uh, it requires a lot of coordination with a lot of different regions within the United States and potentially a lot of different countries and regions around the world. 
So, so you know, jurisdictional controls become a big thing. Jurisdictional identification, what are the laws and regulations if you're uh, going to have a relationship with uh, a country in uh, Asia or Africa or Europe? Uh, we, we've seen already within things like uh, cryptological security that sometimes Europe is a lot more, let's say, uh, aggressive about controlling technology than they are in the United States. So, you know, you have to identify what those standards are if you want to play in that sandbox. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's important to understand this. And again, a lot of this is uh, an academic discussion. What should be those policies? What should be those restrictions and regulations? So, uh, you know, when uh, I don't think we can just take a new tool or a new technology like this and expect to go to, you know, country X someplace across you know, the other side of the planet and have them just plug it into a blockchain without understanding what it does in the first place and understanding it's not going to exploit their people. Yeah. We'll take a break here from our sponsors. We'll be right back in a minute. Thank you. So welcome back to New Cyber Frontier. Today talking to Senator Kent Lambert. Um, and one of the things I have in my notes is talk to, us about, talk to us about the charter of this organization. What are they responsible for? Well, the charter, first of all, we have uh, six voting board members. And I think that tells us quite a bit about the charter. Uh, sort of the founding organization for this is Blockframe Incorporated. And, uh, you know, in full disclosure, you and I are members of that organization. We are uh, sort of the senior uh, leadership, senior officers of Blockframe, uh, which is more of a uh, logistics security type of company. But in order for Blockframe to be effective, we've also discovered that we need a blockchain to uh, help facilitate the, the outreach of what we're trying to do and security of uh, supply chains and Internet of Things and things like that. So uh, we developed the blockchain development community, which is now branching off into a commercial for-profit type of organization called Philos BDL to handle any kind of money or finances uh, on that side. But we've also recognized we need a neutral governance organization uh, and one that can kind of get the word out there and talk about academic and public policy issues. That other entity, the Neutral Governance Organization, is now called the International Alliance of Trust Chains. So it's, um, in a sense, it's a, I guess, a three or four-legged stool that does different things. There's some for-profit things. There's uh, this, this side is the non-profit side of the and ITC. Then I mentioned the partner on that through the state is now the University of Colorado. Right. Has been pulled in as the kind of the, the central hub where this is going to exist 
under their wing. So right. the outreach from education through University of Colorado. Education and again, sort of a neutrality uh, of a state government presence that is also not a commercial government presence. So just in our board of directors, initially, we have uh, a couple members from uh, Block Frame Incorporated company. We have a couple members from the blockchain uh, community or the blockchain developers from Philos BDL. And then we have two members from UCCS, University of Colorado, Colorado Springs, which also gives that academic and public policy and state government presence. Mm -hmm. Now that's sort of the initial board members. Uh, that may change in the future, but those three groups have been, I, I would say, seminal to the development of the entire uh, uh, merging of, of the blockchain and the Up applications and, and the policy. But now we need to start separating those out into self-sufficient, sustaining organizations. Yeah, up until this point, it's been kind of the, the research and development phase mm -hmm. And now the outreach and the growth. What and what does this look like in the future? Bring in uh, discussions as we talked about with IEEE, mm -hmm. with other organizations that will be seated board members on this nonprofit, and universities around the globe, and other trade organizations are even being addressed. Give us some uh, of the thoughts about where you're going with that. Well, back to IEEE. I mean, I think any organization like this, especially a nonprofit organization, that's that may be philanthropic, it may be educational. Uh, if you're going to have trust chains, you have to have trust, which means you're going to have to have ethics. And, you know, one of the first places I'm looking at is what are the, what's the code of ethics for IEEE, mm -hmm. uh, the International uh, Electrical Electronics Engineers uh, Association. So uh, they have their code of ethics. My background right now is more in systems engineering. Uh, the systems engineering organization is called INCOSI, and they have their own uh, list of ethical principles. Uh, not surprising, so do engineers, so do civil engineers. And, you know, they start actually looking very, very similar because professional organizations like that basically are saying the same thing. You know, it's like, like, the Hippocratic Oath, you know, first of all, do no harm to people, <laughs> mm -hmm. and then go on from there, you know, that you want to, uh, especially in our profession, you want to protect the privacy of people, yeah, or you should be, Now, not all blockchains and not all, uh, you know, security firms necessarily want to protect the privacy of people, but we think that's a key concept that we need to have to, to build trust, uh, in, in, especially in international affairs. Mm -hmm. So, what are you looking for as far as you, now that you're growing outreach? What can you? What do you? What would you look for from our listeners to engage with on? What types of talents are you going to be staffing on the IATC and things like that? Well, and we're starting that discussion. I mentioned there are going to be six board members, and so far, officially, we have two out of the six. So, so we are really a startup, and we'll be looking in those uh, various areas and fleshing out. It looks like right now about six working groups. So we will have some working groups that are going to be specifically looking at, um, at like business uh, use cases, uh, some that are looking at, like I say, the ethical principles of the organization. And uh, I think we're looking at outreach among, you know, different professional organizations that may access mm -hmm. blockchains in the future. 
the other side on the academic side, I think this is wide open because we're not talking necessarily about technical blockchain development, mathematics, and all the underpinning that goes along with that. Uh, we do want to educate people as to how that works and how it can be used. But once they understand that, we're looking for the different use cases. I mentioned before, you know, the, the idea of putting property ownership on this in South America. One of the great heroes, I think, of blockchain is Hernando de Soto, who's uh, one of, probably one of the world's greatest economists down in Peru. And he's saying, wow, we really have a problem because nobody knows who owns what. Mm -hmm. And the biggest gorilla on the block can just come out there and steal your your candy from you <laughs> if if you have property. So we don't want those kinds of societies and, and people are trying to work to improve their uh, ability when they put their whole life into their family farm. They want to make sure that it's officially registered. Others are very concerned about the, the trading of goods. Can you trust when you're in France or Germany and you want to order, uh, you know, a, a crop from a like a Western African country, can you do that and still be um, assured and guaranteed that, you know, some sort of slave labor or uh, exploited labor or children or something are not involved in that process? So you actually, in a sense, a blockchain or a trust chain can be used to actually sell ethics, that can sell an ethical process. And mm -hmm. that... You know, that's, that's, a, that's a huge development because it can be audited. It can be, uh, uh, you know, the whole chain of custody of, of uh, products and how they were developed can be recorded immutably on a blockchain and people can have transparency and oversight about how those processes work. And over time, this will, I think, really help people uh, do their business, get their education, things like that. Even recording grades in school. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want Ferris Bueller or somebody breaking into your, uh, I'm using Matthew Broderick, but, you know, from uh, War Games, I think it was, breaks in and changes his grade because he can do it, you know. You don't want to have systems that have, you know, low levels of integrity like that. When somebody has earned something, you want to be able to record that with high confidence that it's accurate, that it's correct, that the people handling your personal health care data are really authorized to do so. And if they're not authorized to do so, why are they touching it? So having a sort of a neutral referee uh, to do that is very, very important. So we're looking for... Uh, use cases. We're looking for people around the world who would be interested in, for instance, maybe writing, uh, we may be starting academic articles. Uh, eventually, we may start our own journal of trust chain uh, types of things. I think this is getting to be more popular, maybe a subject in, in the academic world. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, at the level where People are working on doctorates, are looking at dissertations, or looking, we already have identified some of them. Uh, but this could be, I mean, the, the academic opportunity for uh, higher level research and higher level publishing is just infinite in this area. Yeah. And it could be economics, it could be social benefits, it could be 
anything that it doesn't have to be technical. The technical yeah. side is there too. Yeah, that's but how the, it's used is very important. One of the things I know that that we we haven't really talked about yet today, but the economic you mentioned a couple times the economic impact, <laughs> things that that have been identified in the process of putting together IATC were more along the lines of we thought it was going to be governance, policy, laws, whatever. But now when you require a certain demographic of people to be on a, a blockchain or distributed ledger or a whole program within the state, now you have everybody's economic information together in one place. Mm -hmm. So a big part of what the International Alliance of Trust Chains was really about was to determine how those things are used, who would have access to them, they can't be all just public for everybody to see, but at some point they have to be usable. So those determinations of economics and economic indicators now that are created as a byproduct of distributed ledger, um, who has access to them? Well, you know, being in state government for 12 years at <laughs> the state legislature, uh, you know, if, if it's, people don't realize it, we know where you live. We know everything about you. We know everything from your kindergarten uh, records through your college records. We know what your tax records are. We know what kind of car you drive. Now, does the public really want state government to have that kind of inclusive control? Because if you can measure something, you can control it, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, how far do you trust the government to do that? Or... Another, how, how far do you trust, uh, you know, a social media firm with mm -hmm. your data? You or know? just another subcontractor to the government that might have access yeah. to. And data. we're talking, you know, the big five, you know, the Amazon and the Google and the Facebook and everything else. And everybody knows that, uh, you know, they collect a lot of data through uh, their, their in-home devices and everything like that. Uh, you know, the big issue this month is TikTok. You know, because uh, I guess there's concern that, you know, the, uh, you know, foreign governments can get your facial recognition uh, data mm -hmm. and then become you or exploit you. That is not a good thing for a government to do or for even a private firm to do. So, you know, we need to have those kinds of safeguards. And, uh, you know, uh, we've had another uh, conversation with somebody who's an expert in in virtual and extended reality. You know, if you go into a virtual reality uh, environment, how much data are they really recording you of you? Mm -hmm. Even your body movements and things like that. So people should be very, very concerned about the public policy of this. And I think the academic arena is one way of documenting these problems and hopefully applying some ethical principles to you know, keep them on the right track. And I think those types of discussions are things that we have to have, and I think the International Alliance of Trust Chains will help uh, maybe expedite that discussion, not just within, uh, you know, the academies and the universities in, in uh, the United States, but get beyond just Colorado, get beyond, and we've already, we've already made contacts with several other states just in our just in our local things but like new cyber frontier i hope people are listening to this and are interested in this uh to um and i guess they can contact iatc through info at ia-tc.org 
Yes, info at IATC. IA I, dash. I'm sorry, IA dash TC dot org. Okay, so, and then Senator Lambert is the president of this new organization, and he has a team working on different things. We'll definitely direct you to the right place. But anybody looking to get involved with not only, you know, the policy, the social aspect, the, the legal, but just a new technology that's exploding that could be in an, as big as the Internet in the future. An and I Internet think almost of as, trust chains. Almost, yeah, exactly. And, and maybe almost as helpful would be feedback to New Cyber Frontier because this is a discussion that I would expect we're going to be able to, you know, maybe subdivide into sub-discussions and, and facilitate through New Cyber Frontier because we have a, you know, a mutual interest in getting out the word of how uh, blockchains and cybersecurity and these things work together in a uniform way and uh, apply them to the world's problems. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining today. We're kind of running on time here, um, but uh, We'll definitely have more on this in the future. Anybody looking to get involved, reach out to Senator Lambert at info at ia-tc.org. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to New Cyber Frontier. Remember to follow or like our post and circulate each new show to your networks. We keep you informed, bring you the latest news, explore new trends, and find the hottest topics. With New Cyber Frontier, you don't have to be a computer or cybersecurity expert, just get plugged in. We encourage you to get involved, tell us what topics interest you, and join our mailing lists. You can find us on the web at www.newcyberfrontier.com. That's newcyberfrontier.com. Check out our previous interviews and please let us know if there are any topics that you would like to hear discussed. See you next time on New Cyber Frontier.